0: Well, guys, I am excited to be able to speak to you guys this morning. If you're a first-time guest with us, my name is Pastor Chris, I'm our campus pastor here. Uh, pastor Lawrence, our lead pastor, is actually in Texas this morning. He is ministering in Roy City at the Church Roy City uh, down there, doing some incredible stuff with them. So, be praying for him and the ministry that he's bringing with different leadership sessions and Sunday morning service with them. Uh, I know it's going to be an incredible time of just impartation and ministry with that church. So, let's jump in. You guys ready? I hope so. Uh, if you're taking notes, our title today is Awakened to True Life. Now, I don't know about you, but we get a lot of different, like, christian phrases, right, that people use in church that don't make a lot of sense when we start talking to people who don't, haven't grown up in church, haven't been around church. And I want to talk about one of those this morning, just a little bit. Uh, but before I jump into that, you know, we're doing our prayer focus. And We're praying through the days of a week, and we have gone through and we have done, talked about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Pastor brought a great word last week about Wednesday and Thursday and the origin of those words and what our focus is. And this week, it's my privilege to talk to you guys about Friday. How many of you guys love Friday? Right? I mean, let's be honest. Everybody looks for Friday. It's a great day of the week. But the origin of that, and I actually want to talk to you a little bit this morning because I think it's really interesting. The origin of that word is originally Freya's Day, which is uh, represent, representative of beauty and pleasure. Now, I don't know about you, but does that not kind of depict the way we look at our week and our weekend, right? It's like I've got to suffer through my week, power through Monday, finally we get to Tuesday, it's okay, it's, I'm back in, I've got to do this, and then we get to Wednesday, it's like, okay, I wish it was the weekend, another weekend's i gotta, I got to make this happen, Right? And then Thursday, it's like, okay, I'm almost there. I'll work hard today, and tomorrow is Friday, right? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Okay, there's a few of us. Good, I'm not the only one. Uh, Like, that, a lot of our perspective and culture is that, because if we can just make it to the weekend, then we can do the stuff we want to do after we've spent all week doing the stuff we have to do, right? I mean, let's be honest. That's how most people live their life in the world that we live in today, and I want to challenge that very thinking this morning because we should not live our life praying for the weekend, praying for Friday to get here so that we can finish all the things we have to do so we can finally do what we want to do. How many of you realize God called you with a purpose and there is something every single day that he's called you to that you bring to the world around you and we should live every day on purpose. Now, I started off asking about words we use a lot in church that don't mean a whole lot to us. Purpose is one of those. Purpose has become kind of our catch-all word, right? And we've got purpose-driven life. We've got, you go to any bookstore, and you can find about 38,000 books on purpose. But what does it mean to really have purpose? How do we live a life of purpose? Because when I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, what is purpose? What does it mean to live a life of purpose? Now, let me give you an example. If you're a teacher who teaches on purpose. It's because that teacher realizes there is an investment they make in a student that not only helps that student that year, but it can literally change the course of their life and their legacy because of what's imparted to that student. How many would you say, yeah, that's purpose, right? When you see a law enforcement officer who understands his purpose, those are the people you see the Facebook posts where they went in because a kid stole a thing of milk. Instead of arresting him, the officer paid for the milk and bought him a thing of cookies and then went to the cop car and talked to him about what it means to be a man. He had purpose. There was an investment that was made beyond that, right? When we see people who go to their job and it's not just I'm here Monday through Friday to get a paycheck, but I can make a difference in my world if I invest my life a certain way. Those are people who live on purpose, right? I wanna challenge you because I think we've used the word purpose for everything, and we've lost the purpose of that word. Because everything I just told you, yes, is living on purpose, but if I go tell you to live on purpose, what did I just tell you to do? Because every one of those was on purpose, but every one of those was different. So how do we live a life of purpose? How do we understand the purposes that God's called us to? It's by catching a revelation of what God's called you to be. See, I think there's so much more. When we understand the revelation of our life, we find our purpose. When we understand that there is something we carry. When I mentioned the teacher who understands the impartation they make into that student changes everything about that student. That's not like I'm going to go to work and I'm going to do a good job today. No, that's a revelation of what I carry literally changes the world when I do what God's called me to do. That's how we should live our life Monday. Monday should not be that day of the week that's like, all right, I got to do this again. Monday is, that's great. Now I get to operate in what God's anointed me and placed me on this planet to do. You know what Tuesday should look like? Great. Another day I get to get up and do what God's put me on this earth to do. You know what Wednesday should look like? Hey, another day that I get to get up, understand what God's called me to do and make a difference on this planet. Anybody know where I'm going with Thursday? Thursday. How about Friday? Because we just live to get to Friday. If we can make it, no, no, no. Friday is another day I get to get up and make a difference in the world that God's called me to because there's a purpose of every single day. I don't live to get to Friday. I live because there's a purpose to every single moment of every single day. When we understand that, we understand what it means to live on purpose. We understand what it means to make purposeful investments in our families. We understand what it means to make a difference in our husbands, our wives, our kids, our friends, our neighbors, because every interaction now has a purpose. We understand that word purpose a little more clearly once we catch the revelation of who God's called us to be because it's gonna look different for everybody. It's your first blank. In order to live a a life of purpose, you have to have a vision for what God has called you to. Your purpose doesn't look like anybody else's purpose. Your revelation isn't about anybody else. It's about understanding what God's called you to do in your world. You are the only person on this planet that can do what God put you here for. That's why you're here. See, I really feel like this morning we're going to address a few things, and one of those things that I want to address I think we've got a generation of people that suffer and struggle so much with depression and a lack of feeling worth and value. It's why we live for Friday, because I have to do what I have to do so I can finally get to what I want to do, and there's no value in what we do anywhere. See, this is the thing. When we understand the revelation of why you exist, all of a sudden there's value in everything you do. Even your fun time becomes meaningful. And your work is because God put you there for a reason. I don't care what your work is. There's something that you bring to that place. It's value that you bring to the life of every person you come in contact with. What is the revelation that you carry, whether you work at a bank or a gas station? What's the revelation that God's given you about your life? Because every one of those people that come in, that you interact with, that you talk to, whether you're in a cubicle and there's five people around you, there's a revelation that you should carry about who God's called you to be. What is that? How do we understand that? How do we know what that is? See, this morning is all about learning what it really means to be awakened to new life, not this miserable existence, not merely getting by. But a life where, think, think for just a moment. What would it be like if every single morning you woke up like a cartoon, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, think about it. the Disney princess, like she gets up, opens the door, like birds. Like, right, they come in and float down on you. I know my mom would love that. She loves birds. But you open the door and birds just come and land on you, right? I've got to go to work today. Get in your car. It starts every time. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly. It's all, your tank's always on full, right? Like how, how amazing would that world be? The world doesn't exist. Let me help you out real quick. Some of us dream for Disneyland experience in our life, but the truth of it is, if that was your life, you would never know the joy of overcoming. You would never know the pride of victory. Well, God, how come I'm walking through this? How come I'm struggling through this situation? Maybe he's trying to establish something in you that's going to help you go farther than you ever thought you were going to go. But he's got to take you through this victory before you understand you're capable of going where he's called you to go. See, so often we think our purpose is making more money, making a bigger impact. The more recognition I get, the more purpose I have. No. Whose life is better because you're a part of it? You play a part in somebody's story. What part do you play? And if it's the lead character, you've got it wrong. You can't be the lead in everybody's story. And if you're trying to, that's probably why nobody sits by you at church. Got real for a minute. But let's be honest for a second. You play a different part in everybody's story, so what is that part for you? What does that look like? What's the revelation of your life that you carry? What is it that you're walking through right now that you feel like there is no reason that I'm in this situation? God, where is your blessing in my life? Anybody ever feel that way? This church, we can be honest. Or we've bought into a lie. I'm gonna get real touchy for just a second. You know, we're doing a building project right now. We want to get this finished to get the kids over here, right? We've bought into a lie. If I can just give a little more to the building, if I can give a little more in my tithe, then God will bless me and life will be great. And here come those birds. That's not the way that works. That's not the way that works. Yes, there is a blessing because God designed you that when you bless others, you're blessed. That's true. But there's a bigger factor than if I gave $10 in the offering, God, where's my 20 bucks? Right? Like, where's my blessing? That's kind of how we live our life. Like, if I tithe, then this happens. I get to say this because I'm not the lead pastor, so y'all can't throw stuff at me. But this is the deal. Right? We live in this idea. It's like, God, where's mine? Let me tell you, I've got kids in this ministry. So investing for us to get over here isn't about God, where are you going to bless me? Because I see it every time. I sit with my kids and we start to talk about the Bible and I say the name of somebody. And they're like, oh, I know him. Here's what he did. That's an investment that is far greater than any dollar amount I could ever see on a check, on any surprise blessing. The surprise blessing is having kids that understand who God's called them to be and where God's called them to go. And I don't care if you've got kids, maybe you're a grandparent. It is developing a culture that invests in a generation. (laughs) Purpose isn't just about getting more monetary gain. I wanna tell you a quick story. Because I got so frustrated at one point in my life when I started talking about finding my purpose. I felt called to ministry. A lot of you guys know I grew up here I went to master's commission here and I got a little burnout running all over and doing everything and I, I started another job I loved it and God just kept telling me hey what are you doing what are you doing I called you for ministry what are you doing and finally I went and I quit and this was that moment it was like all right God I quit a job that I liked. I quit a job that paid good. Where's my blessing for being faithful? I'm not kidding. That's exactly how I acted. God, where's the church you're going to put me in? Where's the exploding ministry that you're going to give me because I was faithful? Right? I'm not even kidding. Like, I didn't, I wasn't quite that arrogant about it, but there was an element of that that I carried. God was like, here, here's your ministry. You don't work in a warehouse for three years. What? That's not a blessing what God, you give me purpose. It's not to work in a warehouse. Right? I've got something. you've called me for something more than this. That was my attitude. I spent three years. you know what I did in these three years. I started off, I got hired because I needed a temporary job till God gave me my blessing. Not even kidding. that's why I took the job. I'm not, I'm not even kidding. So I get there, like a year in, I'm like, uh, God, you forget about me? I'm still here? Right. I got hired in and I worked in a keying office. What that meant is all the orders for all the shipments of everything that came in. I had to organize them and put them together. Sounded amazing. I don't like doing numbers. I don't like doing pages. That's why I use a microphone. Okay, Just telling you. I did that for a year, and then guess what? God promoted me, and it was great, and I'm like, okay, God, you see me? I'm getting promoted. That's great. Now I get to work, and I work with all of the shipping that came in, and I had to schedule and book all the trucks and semis, and when they were going to come, and how they were going to come, and where they were going to unload, and what was going to happen, but God, I'm still waiting for that ministry that you've called me to. Then they walk in one day and they're like, hey, guess what? We got to downsize. Um, you're doing a great job, but We just got to make this office smaller, so you're going to go pull in the warehouse now. I was like, really? Really? So I go back, and this was one of the most trying times of my life because I'd go back and I'd talk to my wife, and it's like, I left this job thinking I was going to ministry. I'm ready to just give up on pursuing ministry. That was a constant conversation that we had, and I got in this warehouse, and I had to check orders and pull the forklifts and do all this stuff and I had to arrange where things were set up in the warehouse and the set up the bays so they could come pick them up with the forklifts and it was amazing I was like God where's my purpose what you're doing right now that you may think is pointless God set up to be your purpose because what I didn't know is eventually, I'd get hired into full-time ministry out of that and I went and I worked at another church. A couple years later, I came here. And shortly after being here, something really interesting happened. Anybody remember the Moore Norman tornado? Most of you guys do if you've been here very long. We were just started working inside this building. Somehow, I landed in, uh, I don't even know how, I landed in a meeting with the city leaders and they shut the door and they said, hey, we're not leaving until we have a press briefing for the morning. Huh? I'm not kidding you. 2 a.m. I text Pastor. He's, too, he's asleep. It's 2 a.m. So I text him and I'm like, hey, I just committed our building to be a North Warehouse for the city of Moore. Hope that's okay. <laughs> not kidding. <laughs> So what that looked like was we were going to stop construction on one part of the building and take pickup loads of stuff, you know, people wanted to help with. I got here the next morning and briefed our team, and we got stuff ready. And about that time, I get a phone call from the guy overseeing all of it who worked at Tinker. And he called and said, hey, Lloyd Noble Center fell through for our semis. We've just redirected all of them to you. We're going to do, like, pickups. And some cars. Not kidding! Like, that's what I'm like, uh, okay. Lawrence, we need to have a meeting. <laughs> and here's what happened. We sat down, and all of a sudden, what seemed like pointless for three years became purpose in what God called me to, because all of a sudden, I had to figure out how we're gonna schedule semis coming from all over the United States. We had people from Rhode Island and New York heading right here, literally to this room. I walked over and got a chalk. I remember a piece of chalk and I walked this very floor that you guys are sitting on right now and we made chalk lines and we made bays and I called Jeff Henderson and was like, hey, I need help, can we get forklifts? Can we get something? He jumped on and started getting this equipment. We shut down all construction on this building and it became a warehouse. Then we had to say, okay, we've got stuff that's going to corporations. We've got stuff that's going to individuals who have lost everything. And we've got stuff that's going to individuals who are trying to help it. And all of a sudden, everything I did in that king office came into play because now I had to position us in the right place. And then we had laid everything out just like what I learned that year that I spent in a warehouse. And all of a sudden, God told me, aren't you glad? I never blessed you. When you begged for my blessing, when you begged for me to rescue you because I was positioning you for us as a church to be able to give more than $3 million into the rescue efforts for the more Norman, that came not just through me, through a ton of people, but my part was positioned because the time I thought God forgot me. Because I'm telling you right now, there's some of you in here in this place and you feel like God's forgotten you. You are struggling with why there's even meaning to doing what you're doing. And what you don't understand is he may be developing you at this very moment. He may be positioning you right now for the place that he's called you. And But I've been here so long, but I'm so frustrated. I know what that feeling is. But there's purpose in what feels like it's pointless. Because he's called you to something bigger than you. And he goes through... And I love this because Proverbs 29, 18 says this, where there's no vision, the people perish or the people are unrestrained. See, that word, vision, is a really interesting word because that doesn't mean like a mission statement. It means a revelation. Where you don't carry a revelation of who God's called you to be, you have no purpose in your life. You wander aimlessly. You become frustrated at every little thing because you don't understand there's a bigger picture that you're connected to. Guys, there's something that God's called you to, and it's bigger than merely doing a job and getting by and living for the weekend. It's truly living in every moment of every day. Jesus didn't come so you could have an awesome weekend. He came so you could impact the world. What's he called you to? Because, see, I can say that now, and I can celebrate that moment, but I can promise you I wasted those three years. I may have learned something and God was able to use. See, here's the, here's the beauty because I'm about to help some of y'all out. God was able to use my ignorance and my arrogance despite my pride. Because God used what he positioned me there for to teach me something. I'm the one that missed the opportunities for three years with people that were all around me because I was waiting for my moment. Let me be honest for a minute. How many of you are missing the opportunities that God has given you because you're waiting for your moment, and God's saying your moment is now. Your time is now. It's not Friday. It's not if I can make it to Friday, then life can have purpose and meaning because let's be honest, usually when we live that way, there's not purpose and meaning. It's I can live till Friday so I can have fun. And those two things aren't always the same thing. Living for the moment where you can check out of life until you have to check back in again is it purpose. But when you understand that every single day has a meaning and a purpose and you get the revelation of who God's called you to be, it changes something about you. Husbands, when you get a revelation of what it means to be the head of your home, To be the spiritual authority of your home and you understand that you need to pray and you need to read your Bible not because it's what God asked you to do but because you carry something of spiritual authority over your home. Single moms, when you understand you are the spiritual authority of your home and what you pray and what you say and what you do literally changes the atmosphere of your children. It changes something about the way you read your Bible and the way you turn the page because now there's purpose. It's not I've got to do my daily reading. I'm literally going to war for my family. See, the difference isn't living on purpose. It's having a revelation of who God's called you to be. It's having a revelation of what you carry every place you go. That revelation unlocks something about you. And I want to tell you a quick story about a guy in the Bible. we We hear about him only a couple times, and most of us know the story where Elisha, is coming in, and he goes to this woman's house, and she builds a a room on her house. You guys heard the story before, and she's old, and her husband's old, and she has no kids, and Elisha gives her, promises her a son the next year, right? We've heard that story. Most of us have overlooked a person in that story because there was a guy who was Elisha's servant. His name was Gehazi, I mean, you guys are so glad your name is not Gehazi. I'm sorry. Anyway, side note, right? Like, let's just be real. Okay, but that's his name. And it first time it references him. it talks about the wisdom that he carried because Elisha is there and he's talking to this woman. He's like, what you've done is so great. What can I do for you? Can I talk to the king? Can I talk to the army? What can I do to help you? And Gehazi steps up. Gehazi's the one who tells Elisha, she has no kids. Her husband is old, and Elijah says, "Okay, come here. In a year, when I see you, you'll be a child." That was Gehazi who spoke revelation into that situation. There was something about the wisdom that he carried as Elijah's servant. Now, get this—he carried something incredible. When it first references him pursuing what God called him to, the second time he's referenced just a little bit later, Second Kings. In Second Kings 4, just a few verses down, and Elisha heals a man with leprosy, and that man comes back, and he says, what can I pay you? What can I give you? And Elisha says, nothing, just go. And it says, Gehazi was overcome with greed, and he chased the man down, and he said, no, 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 your servant needs payment. And he took from the man two shekels and two sets of clothes, and he went and hid them in his tent. Now hear me, because then later he struck with leprosy, and we really don't hear much else about Gehazi from them, but there's something really interesting, because the name Gehazi means valley of vision. Hear me, because when you understand what God's called you to do, you have more favor, you have more opportunity, just like Gehazi, when he got with Elijah and he said, hey, this This is what we should do. Here's how we should live because he was operating in what God had called him to. But when he started operating without vision, without revelation, he started operating in his own pleasure and pursuit for what he could have. It cost him everything. What level of vision do you have this morning? What level of vision do you have for where God's called you to go? Do you understand the revelation? Remember that word vision. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. I'm not talking about do you have a mission statement for your family. Do you have a mission statement for your job? I'm talking about do you have a revelation of who God's called you to be? Is the revelation of what God's called you to do, is it deep? Do you have high standards for where God's called you to be because you're living with purpose? Or do you simply know, well, God loves me, so I'm supposed to go to church because that's not vision. That's not revelation. That's a revelation of the, of the love of Jesus, but that's not a revelation of the purpose that he's called you to. Truly living. Last verse, John ten ten. It says, the thief comes to kill, still, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and life to the fullest. Life and life to the fullest. Jesus didn't come to get you to heaven. He came to bring heaven here on earth. If the point was to get you to heaven, the moment you got saved, you'd be gone. There'd be no reason for you still to be here. But he says, I didn't come to bring you life. I came to give you life and life to the fullest. To get you to heaven and then through you bring heaven to earth. You want to be awakened to true life? It's real simple. What is God trying to do through your life that's going to impact the world around you? What is it that God's trying to awaken in you? The revelation God has deposited in you to change something of the world around you. We have to catch the revelation of God for our lives. We cannot merely walk through life anymore and say, God, I'm going to do this job because it sounds fun. God, where'd you call me to go? What have you called me to do? I'm not doing this because it sounds fun or because it pays well. I'm doing it because you have planted me here, and you have called me here, and there is a revelation of you that I carry to this place. When you wake up in the morning, and let me just side note here, during the season of prayer, I'm a big fan of night praying. I don't like getting up early. Okay, what I mean by night praying is like before I go to bed, when it's whatever time I'm going to go to bed. I can just pop my Bible open and read. You know what? God hears me in the night just like he hears me in the morning. But let me tell you a revelation I've discovered recently. God still loves me. God still hears me at night just like he did in the morning. The difference is when I catch a revelation of what he's speaking before I go through my day to when I catch a revelation about what God wants to do later. There is something about getting up early, and I'm just telling you, God has challenged me about when I get up and when I pray and when I do that, and that's hard because I don't like getting up early. My wife will scream at this when she's here. She's like, beat me in the morning. Anyway, I don't like to get up early, but there's something about when I get up early and I pursue the purposes of God for my day before I pursue anything else. It's almost like I have a greater sense of revelation for my day. What a crazy thought. To live on purpose by making time in my day to get a revelation from God of what he wants to do so that your Monday can be your Friday, so that your Tuesday can be like your Friday? Do you follow me? I'm just If I can just make it to Friday, I can do what I want to do. If you can get a revelation of what God's called you to do, then you'll do what you want to do every single day of your life. If I can get the worship team to go ahead and come back up. See, we've got to stop just trying to get there. I mean, let's be honest. Most of us live our life with, if I make it to church on Sunday, then I'm good. Jesus will speak to me, and that will get me through my week or get me through community group. I can get with them, and, I mean, that gives me a support structure. I've got people to help me. The church isn't spiritual AA. The church is the place that you show up to be empowered so that when you walk out, you are releasing heaven to the world around you. Stop using it as the place where I'm going to suffer through life to get to church so someone can help me make it. This isn't the place you come just to make it. Jesus is where you go to make it. This is where you come to be empowered and released. Some of y'all are looking at me like I've lost my mind. Because we've got to know who God's called us to be. Being awakened to true life, it's not just a catchy phrase. How many of you think about it would much rather live a life of suffering through what we've got to do to get where we can do what we want to do and would far rather live a life where every single day I've got purpose, I've got meaning. When I go to the gas station, I'm not 10 on pump 7, I'm the guy that walks in and says, hey, how's your morning? I want to challenge you with something. When you go to the gas station, don't pay at the pump and ignore them when they say, thanks for coming to 7-Eleven. Get out and walk in. But I'm in a hurry. You know, most of Jesus' miracles happened on his way somewhere else. Purpose a little bit of extra time to get a revelation of what God's called you to carry to your world. Make the opportunity. Most of Jesus' miracles happened in the interruptions. If you don't leave time in your life for the interruption, you may be wondering why you've never experienced the miracle.